0: Listening to Post Dramatic Stress, hosted by Charlotte D., a weekly podcast to connect creatives and communicate about the highs, lows, and laughs of being in a creative industry. Hello, and welcome to episode seven of Post Dramatic Stress. Um, Today I am joined by a co host. How magical and wonderful for me, and hopefully for you, audience. Um, It's someone you've known before, her name is Isabella Jacqueline. We will refer to her most likely as Bella throughout the day,
1: but hi Bella! Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me, everybody. We're going to have some fun.
0: Yes, definitely. Um, And we also are joined by other human beings who are our Mm. guests. Um, And the first human being that we have as a guest today is called Jessica Brook. And Jessica is not only an actor, but she is an amazing brain and works in a lab as a lab assistant (laughs) as well. (laughs) Hello, hello. Hello. How are you going? Good. How
1: are you? I'm good. Thank you for being here. And we've also got Michelle Ezzy, who practically does everything, being a theatre educator, a dancer, an actor, a choreographer, and a director. I mean, that's a way to get everyone feeling like they can't do anything. (laughs) Yeah, putting us all to shame.
0: (laughs) Um, Welcome, guys. We'd love to hear a little bit more about the both of you, obviously, so that our audiences know who we're going to be talking to today um, and what we're going to be talking about, which I'll (laughs) saying talk a lot, but I will tell us all about that in a minute. But Jess, tell us a little bit about yourself and your creative journey and sort of who you are as a
2: creative person.
3: Um, so I decided watching *Mummy Returns when I was five that I wanted to be those women in that film and an actor since then. And then um, during my teens, I kind of got disheartened and thought being a doctor is more realistic and practical. Oh, <laughs> so wrong. I did a biomed degree, which was very hard to do and deep down I just had this bubbling like feeling coming up that acting is where I need to be and so I followed my heart and um, a year and a half ago I got into my acting journey and so I've been training and um, did some short films and a theatre show recently and just trying to embrace as much as I can about this amazing craft and learning from wonderful people like yourselves so
0: I love that so much I feel like so many of us have that exact same experience like we try and go down the sensible route or some of us don't a normal job a (laughs) normal job yeah Yeah. so I love that for you Mm -hmm. um and how nice to have both worlds anyway there's nothing wrong with normal jobs either I feel like actually I give them a hard time a lot on most of these podcasts I'm like yeah day jobs blah but actually I know a a Um, plan is always good
3: yeah Yeah. something
1: Mm -hmm. that you can rely on and then you can really have that freedom to be creative and not really worry about that financial side so much and it's
3: actually like takes you out of like your creative world where you could just actually observe other people in like everyday jobs and which feels go back to your um creative side so it kind of works hand in hand really
0: well also how would we even function if all we were were actors and artists and we
3: had no doctors we would have great movies (laughs) (laughs) nothing else.
1: Yes. So, tell us a little bit about yourself,
2: Michelle. Uh, so, I started my journey as a musician. I studied uh, classical trumpet at WAPA um, mm. and did uh, education at the same time, majoring in music uh, with a minor in science, um, because I might actually get a job as a science teacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I um, ended up doing music and science teaching really hating science teaching, and then I applied for a music theatre position at um, John Curtin, and that's kind of where I realised what I needed to be doing with theatre education. Um, I absolutely love doing that. And I started teaching and realised <laughs> that um, I didn't have enough practical experience, because I'd never been in a musical in my life. So I went and wow. auditioned for Oklahoma, Wow! Cool. and got bitten by the bug, and... Now I can't stop. <laughs> That's that is, amazing. Yeah, that is such a typical romantic <laughs> journey, but it's
1: definitely, it's brilliant because yes. you're finding that love and, and now you won't look back for you. So. No. That's Wonderful. amazing.
0: Well, today we are going to be talking about... Training the creative brain. So, we've all got different experiences in that. So, some of us are just people who are trying to train our creative brain, and some of us, like Michelle, are training other people's creative brains, which is amazing. (laughs) Um, But in particular, there's a few things that we're going to cover today Um, uh, things like the creative brain makeup, uh, training in general, and finding balance in the training process. But I thought it'd be great to start off with the creative brain makeup. And what I mean by that is I've always thought that perhaps um, creative brains are different um, and unique and maybe train in different ways. I know that everyone has their own sort of learning style, like visual, auditory, all those sorts of things. But I've always thought that the creative brain itself or creative people do have a different kind of brain and therefore Mm. need a different approach to their training. But I wondered what you guys
2: think. I actually think quite differently I think everybody has a creative brain but I don't think everyone's had the spark or the inspiration to use their creative brain I think everyone has one Mm. simmering under there somewhere but it takes the right kind of thing to unlock it because we often think of creative brains as being musicians actors dancers all those sort of things Mm. but I think some of the most creative people in the world are scientists how do you come up with all these brand new things if you don't have a creative brain yeah, yeah. So you have yeah. to think out of the box actually because like a science approach they have a
3: problem and then they have to try and resolve that problem but in order to resolve it they have to think of something new and go mm. out of the box and try mm-hmm. different things so i yeah i agree with you creatively everyone
1: has something
2: there mm.
1: but yeah. what do we think um it makes some of us actually pursue that creative pathway in a more conventional sense as opposed to going into more science as you did yourself and didn't end up enjoying it, and yet Mm. you really enjoy teaching what you're teaching now. Yeah. So what do you think it was about your creative brain that really pushed you into that direction?
2: I think I liked the practical side, and it kind of fed into what I was good at. Um, So I guess taking whatever your skill base is and extending it in a creative way. I was always drawn to dance and music, and that kind of just led me down that pathway. Mm. And I love science, but it's I found it so much harder to inspire others who had no interest in it which is what kind of killed science teaching for me whereas it's I've found it easy to inspire kids who are in a program that they have to audition for so they have to be keen on it already yeah and it's it's easier to inspire that way um so that's kind of what has fueled my passion for theatre education over science education yeah well I like had I remember when I was in year 10,
3: I got like 30% in my drama and like 80-something in human bios. I thought, well, clearly I don't have a creative brain. I have Mm -hmm. an intellectual brain. And so I'm going (laughs) to, yeah, be a doctor. And then I realised like it was just like suppressing it because here I am, you know, I'm thinking, doing all my studies and actually just thinking of being this character. Imagine being in this world. So like what actually was sparking me joy is imagining different worlds and being different characters and creating different um, relationships and, like, superpowers and things. I thought, Mm. well, that's actually where my brain naturally wants to be. It's interested in science but doesn't mean that it's fitted just for a science career, you know. Mm. And so I think, like, you could have interest in something but what actually sparks your joy and something that you want to have your passion lie in. That's like depending on what kind of interest you have.
0: Yeah. So perhaps what you were saying as well, Michelle, is mm. true that we've all got this creative brain. But unless we've got that spark, yeah. um, like what you're saying, Jess, it's just not activated and doesn't sort of come to life and come to yeah. fruition as mm. such. Um, they've actually said, uh, I did a little bit of research went I went all analytical for a change, <laughs> um, and it says that you know there was a, this Harvard study that have shown that people who are more creative can simultaneously engage brain networks that don't typically typically work together. So I think that's um, sort of what you were saying with when doctors have to come up with this this new way to you know beat a disease or or whatever or whatever the case is. They obviously are creative. They but it's the labelling of it. We, we tend in society to, like you were saying, only see creative brains as musicians or artists or painters, yeah. but perhaps you're right, they are the scientists or they are the people who are using their analytical brains in these ways yeah. to, to, to bring it together. Yeah. With that being said, um, do you think then if, if people who are sort of starting to harness their brains and become more creative, do you think when we start to talk about um, training, uh, do you think that if you have started to use your brain in that way that it needs
2: to be trained in a different way? I don't necessarily think that it needs to be trained differently. I think that in because I'm at a arts school, we're never out to be a fame school. We're not saying we're going to have all the next actors, actresses, um, dancers and things. We, we really focus on the arts enhancing their learning through all their other subjects so I think we're sparking creative minds through all our art subjects but it's fueling them in all their other areas and because of the type of school those educators as well are all about creativity and helping them learn and you're probably right actually they do end up learning differently because we're focused on inspiring and uh getting their creative brains to work alongside analytical
1: subjects. Mm.
0: Mm. Okay, Mm. that's interesting.
1: So we do think, though, um, as you were saying, that you were training them in a degree. And what would you think an actor or a dancer Mm. or anything that is actually trained in a skill set or inspired, as you were saying, Mm. as opposed to an actor or a dancer who may have come from a slightly more unsupportive environment and not had any of that training? Do we think that potentially that will affect the creative mindset?
3: I think having a wide variety of training helps you to like apply yourself differently. And um, like, you know, our coach always is like voice movements, do clowning, do something different. So you could have, um, a toolbox that is wide, not just like specifically, like I just do dance and that's the only thing I'm going to do. I am just do acting. And it actually will help you in your craft and in whatever career that you want to do to have training in everything or as much as you can. And um, it helps you learn better because you're having to use different sides of the brains and learn different skill sets. So I think training is hugely important.
2: Mm. And I think every person... Has connects differently with different teachers. So Mm. I'm not always going to be the best person for my students. Someone else is going to have a different approach that is better for someone else. I think we all have such a wide spectrum of what is best for us. Mm. Yeah, definitely. No matter whether or not your brain's analytical or creative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think
0: we've all got
3: something. Because people are like so... Um, quick to go creative yeah musicians and everything and so therefore you can't be creative in law or science or politics or even like cooking and or sport or something but like the definition of creative is to create so that's to bring something new or or bring things together so that could mm. be applied in everything it's just People are going to use it for different tasks. You know, sportsmen are going to think of a creative way to learn a new skill so they could, say, kick better in footy. And then a law person will think of a creative way to approach a different case. So everyone is inertly creative in different fields
0: Mm. and like we said that 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 study where it's talking about simultaneously engaging brain networks that don't typically work together that is Mm. i guess that's what we're discussing that Mm. is everyone has the ability to hone that process and maybe then varied training is good because you're only benefiting that ability for your brain pathways to cross and using you know left and right brain and combining those two yeah and then
1: hopefully firing off new
0: ones to make you more
1: creative. (laughs) Though sometimes it doesn't work like that, does it? Because sometimes you do a lot of training and then as a creative person, you're not seeming to get ahead and it feels Mm -hmm. like you're just hitting against the wall. So what do you guys find really motivates you to stay trained or what motivates you to keep training students that don't seem motivated? I guess on my personal
2: journey, it's been... um, When I haven't had success, that's when I've been inspired to go and do something about it and go get more training. So when I'm struggling to get roles in musicals, I've gone and got um, vocal training um, and that sort of thing. But with the kids, it's often hard. Sometimes it's showing them something someone else has done that will spark their interest which then has that like domino effect of Mm. them going okay i need to work at this or um put more effort into this but it's yeah i think it's about finding something that interests them and gives them that motivation to pursue it yeah Mm. because it's hard like
3: i personally struggle and i think a lot of people could relate is you know, when you're not seeing progress or maybe you had a bad week in an acting class, then you take it, like, personally, you're like, mm-hmm. well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. But it's just you just had a bad week or something, you're just taking longer to learn something. And then I just go, well, had a bad week, let's just push through and try it, like, next week. And then next week, you know, you um, lose all your self-expectations as and you just kind of get out of your own head. And you actually have a great acting class, and I like find my motivation lies in knowing that um, it's not going to happen exactly like in a week. You're not going to become go to a TV series or be in a you know big theater show or in a big movie and stuff because it takes a lot of time. You know the marathon versus sprint um, viewpoint. And I go when I see my progress like. I try apply myself you do a short film or you do a theater show and you go oh this is what they say in class mm-hmm. and then you go well next time I do a class if I've had a bad week I'm going to remember that one day I'm going to apply what I've just learned even if I'm not getting it now so people should just keep pushing through and to know that one day everything
0: will make sense. (laughs) I think that's an interesting point. In so many, if we talk, versus like intellectual versus creative training. I know we don't like to label it too much, but I think so often say you're learning a new job for the first time, for example, and it's very straightforward. It's literally a case of, you know, if we're in a lab, okay, the test tubes need to go here. They need to be, have these specific chemicals added to them. You're being trained, but it's a different type of process. Whereas when, if you're a creative person, like for example, an actor, you have all this training and you're motivated and it's great but I think the difference is is that it's to show your training you have to access this like vulnerable part of yourself mm. and put it on display and it's not the same thing like it's yeah. it's you're always a human being and a work in progress yeah. so I think sometimes that's where the demotivation I don't know if that's a word but that's where it comes from <laughs> because yeah. you know you can't just be like Yes, it's not, you know, in some worlds it's not emotional, it's not you on display showing your training, but as an actor, for example, I think that's a really great approach that you're doing it in stages and not like a marathon because otherwise I think it it does become like demoralizing because you just, you look at yourself as a package and don't think to... um, you know think that it is a work in progress and it and it's slow and that that's okay yeah. i think maybe the expectations yeah. are different in a creative industry yeah. with training like if
3: you do a, a <laughs> test you know a math test or whatever test you have a result like you yeah. got however much out of however much mm. and that's like you know you see your success based on that but with acting it's so subjective and it's like well did my audience feel what I was feeling or am I feeling this and like I remember my theater show one night I just I just could not like drop in and afterwards I was like that was shocking like I should I do this and my one of the actors were actually like well that's part of your training to really go back and learn how to tackle those little problems that are stumbling you up in a live theater show so next time you do it you don't feel that you've done such a bad job you know Mm. um so it's a lot of trial and error and also know that people have not you might feel it and go yeah that was a success and someone might not just like or relate to that character that doesn't mean that you failed as like an actor or Mm. if a musician your music is not being heard by people that enjoy that kind of music or those lyrics that doesn't mean that you fail, it's just everyone has their own
1: subjective view. Mm-hmm. That's how you said when you were at school you got thirty percent in drama, but look at yeah. you now, I mean you're actually acting. Yeah. And that was because obviously your theatre teachers had a completely different idea of what was good acting to, let's say, the people that are casting you. So I think everyone's going to have that different opinion, so it's important to realise that for every hater and unsupportive person, there's always going to be someone that's all for you and really loving what you do. Yeah.
2: I think students put a lot of pressure on themselves as Mm -hmm. well. They think that one audition is everything. Yeah. And if they don't get a starring role, it's the end of the world. Mm -hmm. They may not suit that show. They weren't right for that part. Their vocal range didn't suit that character. Mm -hmm. And... Some of them just find that such a wall and can't get past that not having a large role in something. Mm -hmm. And it takes some of them a fair while where they will go go all the way through lower school Mm -hmm. not getting like big roles Mm -hmm. um, and they're basing their ability on that. But it's not Mm -hmm. that at all. And then I had a student say to me yesterday, Miss, I've never had a big role and suddenly I'm Wednesday Adams Mm -hmm. because this... This was it, yeah. there for you, you've yeah. worked, you've kept working and this character suits you, you were ready for this. All those other times that you weren't achieving what you thought you should have been achieving, it was just that progress. Yeah. But kids don't tend to see it as the journey, they see it as a here now yeah. sort of thing, which is really hard to teach. And I don't think drama in high school is very
3: reflective of what acting and the you know industries like in the real
2: world mm. we're trying to make it as much as we can but yeah you can okay, but it's thing. like because, <laughs> because
3: I suppose kids think this is like the dial like if I do mm. not make this theater show I'm not going to be an actor mm. and it's like well you just weren't suited to whatever characters were in that theater show mm. you know I think
0: even adults feel that way yeah oh, yes. I definitely <laughs> had moments where I felt that way it's, yeah you, know, you train and you train and you train and you train and like you say mm. you know even though you know and you've been told that that part just wasn't probably right for you yeah. that's okay it's in the head
1: yeah. yeah, going yeah, like, but it's me <laughs> it's me <laughs> it's me
0: the training wasn't enough yeah. I need to do more I need to do more yeah um and talking about that I think actors definitely fall into two brackets um those who think that they don't need any more training and are fabulous and that the roles should just be yeah. landing in their that and then okay. there's the people who um are just at every workshop
1: they're just like training junkies i think mm-hmm. um and those people can get so addicted to the training that that will even bring more satisfaction than the actual gigs when yeah they come. Mm-hmm. yeah it's like you
0: never leave the training room you yeah. just you know and i think it becomes like a safe space and and, yet, and you're you know you're an actor because you're training yeah but you're not because you're not going out there and and doing anything so Getting those knockbacks. Yeah it, exactly. That's a good point. So if we're thinking about that, what do you think is a healthy balance and practice when it comes
2: to attending training? I think you just always got to have that end point. So you do your training, but it's got to build to something because mm-hmm. what's the point of training if you can't test yourself? You're constantly in the classroom and where where is that end? Where can you Really prove what you've learned or not learned, reflect and go back to the classroom. It's mm. yeah,
3: mm. you need that end. And I, um, yeah, like I love training, so I will try to go to as many classes as I can. But one, it's expensive, yes. <laughs> yes. so you need to be out of that space to train. But I honestly learn the most when I'm applying what I'm mm. training because you know, you could go to eat week, like do a class each week, and you have a script. And you're training against other actors who are training. And, you know, you only focus on the script, but you're also not experiencing what set life is, what theatre life is. And that's when you're actually going to go out of your comfort zone and be forced to either learn on the spot or learn um, apply what you have learned. And that's actually a space where you realise that all the things you have to now learn so you could be more specific in what courses you do. And I think if you're going to be comfortable just training then, like, you know, that's you, you want to do that, but it's not going to actually move you forward because mm. you need the application of the training. you could only do that so much in an acting class.
1: Mm. And they say um, that every actor is basically two actors, the actor that they are at home in their shower and <laughs> then the actor they are in the audition room. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that perhaps there's three actors, there's the actor at home, the actor in the audition room, and then that actor in training? And if mm. so, what is that actor? Mm. Oh. I get like really I don't know
3: quite shy when I'm in some acting classes and I get quite nervous being in front of the people but then I'm like at home I'm singing in the shower like Woo!
2: <laughs> and then i like set
3: when I'm comfortable with people with the um, theater career I had I just come out of myself and that's actually where I'm enabling myself to act better because I'm losing any barriers that I've put up which is something I'm constantly trying to work against um, in my acting classes. So I think I'm my own worst enemy mm-hmm. um, in my acting classes. And it's really a kick, like, I just want to kick that away. And then when you're, like, in an audition room, you it's very intimate and you have that, like, oh, if I don't get this or if I stuff up, you know, you put so much pressure on yourself. And I I think it's it's easier to say, yeah, just be the actor at home in everything that you do, but it's, it's not as easy, so... I what like ab- the three different actors. It's,
1: mm. What about like using that pressure? Because you're never going to be that really relaxed person that mm. you are at home. Mm. So perhaps, Michelle, is there mm. like a way as a teacher that you can, you know, teach people to use that pressure for an advantage as opposed to, you know, freezing up?
2: Yeah, I guess it's the adrenaline of the audition room that kind of needs to be honed. It's that you're on edge, but using that complete high to deliver your best performance because you're so much more in tune with your feelings i think when you're in the um, audition room the feeling is usually complete terror (laughs) but you can access everything else through that fear i think Um, but what i always say to my kids is the more prepared you are the more you can there's those extra bits you get rid of of the, I need to remember my lines, my lyrics, those sort of things. If they're comfortable, you only have to worry about the stress mm. and keeping that tame and using it yeah, in the audition.
3: preparation is key. Mm. Like people try, and I definitely have tried to, um, not yeah, like wing an audition, you know, not as prepared as... You can be, and then sometimes you think you can never be as prepared. Mm. But it's really when you are prepared for an audition, you could go there and you do have less stress because you go, mm. I've done everything I could. And if it's, you know, I don't get the the role, then I've done myself a justice by being prepared. Mm. So, and I like the whole being in tune with your feelings when you're under that pressure that like, I went for a role for nervous. Like she was quite a nervous character, and thankfully I was so nervous in the audition. I was like, "This worked great." I can use this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But going on what you said with people who don't find that they don't need any training, then I don't think they should be in this industry at all. Because <laughs> like, who are you? You know, and they're the ones that might actually buckle in an audition because they don't have any training to prepare them for those auditions,
2: and they have a huge ego. <laughs> so no one will want to work with them. I think that's the biggest issue. <laughs> yeah.
0: too. <laughs> I think um, talking about before, I wanted to touch on, you know, being prepared in in an audition when you are stressed. I think a lot of that happens because of what you've prepared in your training that your subconscious can then take over. So that when you're Mm. in a state of stress, there's this underlying autopilot of, I know how to do this because I've trained. I've been in the um, training workshops. I've felt nervous before. So that when you're faced with an audition situation, at least, yes, you may be feeling nervous, but there's, there are things that will just automatically switch on out of routine and out of habit. Um, and, you know, they say that there's these four stages of the creative process. So you've got your preparation, which is conscious. So you're training, you're in the training room. Amazing. You've got your incubation period, which is subconscious, and I think that's when all your training is being applied, everything's happening behind the scenes. It's, you know, there's this, your brain's just sort of ticking away on what you've learned without you having to think about it. Then they've got this stage where it says there's this illumination moment, and that's the aha moment. And maybe that's Mm -hmm. what you're talking about, where you go out and you're actually in a play, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that really worked, and I know why. know why (laughs) um and then you've got this other moment that's um after that which is like a verification moment which is where they say you challenge that aha moment Mm. and on one hand you've got this like aha it worked but then I think you you can then take your training to the next stage Mm. and not only challenge why it worked but how can you be better after that I think so I think that training Obviously, you don't want to be like the junkies we were talking about just going all the time. But I don't think your training ever ends in any subject, really, or anything, even if you're a scientist. Mm. There's always something new to learn. And also, I think you train within your limits that you know, but I think we don't always know our limits. And I think that's an interesting thing to come out of training, that actually who you thought you were you, you could be capable of so much more yeah, than you yeah. than you ever knew and
3: i find you know? like the more i learn the more i feel i don't know enough which is like motivating mm. in itself to learn more because you know you learn something and it's something you learn something new about something else and it's like a branch to learn something new down that way um especially like the behind the cameras i find like lighting sound that's something i just want to learn because that's going to help you as an actor mm. and um I like your four stages because you have that aha moment and then you go, well, that worked. How can I do it again
0: and how can I do it better, you know? Mm. So um, challenge yourself there. Like that. And then your limits are always changing without realising it. You know, you got to the stage that you always wanted to get to, but all of a sudden that's not good enough anymore because yeah. now you know how to do that and yeah. you want to go that off further. next.
1: <laughs> and yeah. that's, I think, what helps keep you inspired because mm-hmm. if you don't ever have end goals and you're just sort of flapping around in the same position, you're going to stay in that same position for a very long time until yeah. it stops being inspiring. Yeah. yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Goals are important. I've tried to, like, sit down and write
3: goals and I haven't gotten it to, like, yet but I will soon <laughs> but actually what made me realize that I have actually achieved goals because I did it last year and I stumbled upon the piece of paper that I wrote and I was like I have achieved this I have achieved that but it's mm-hmm. like subconscious like when you write goals it becomes subconscious and actually drives you through like all the actions you do that year, that you forget that you've written those goals until you look back at it and you're like I achieved that and you know that's a really like self-validating feeling it's really nice and maybe
0: a good way to measure because we were mm. saying you know it could be quite difficult in a creative industry to measure yourself in the same sort of way yeah. as a you know intellectual environment so perhaps that's a great way if you've written these goals and they are just ticking away under the subconscious yeah. every now and then you pull them out and you're like oh yeah that's you know i think that's a really great way to reflect because mm. i think if you don't It is just this never-ending world of training and you can't see. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Sometimes I think I've had the moments where I'm like, why am I bothering? Yeah. Yeah, You know, because you you don't measure it in the right way and therefore you can't see the other people around you probably can see you growing and changing and becoming a better performer, but you within yourself, if you've not got that measuring tool. Yeah.
3: You know, how do you... And going back to the balance of like training and then actually applying what you learnt in in a show or whatever... Um, you should have training goals and you should have like like career orientated goals you know try do a workshop that you haven't gone in that could be your goal or try audition for five things this year or try being a short film and so you should have that balance because that will make you actually a rounded person Mm. and that
0: will be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. okay we're getting to the end of our That's talk I can't believe it um we do have to start to wrap up we always normally have a follower question um but obviously we are still quite new as post dramatic stress but mm-hmm. I have my own follower question until we get some from <laughs> um, the audience and I wondered um for the two of you um and talking about training the creative brain um is there any experiences that you guys can share where you've just had amazing training just sort of a real click for you or a real
2: switch a real aha moment and if so can you share? I guess one of them for me was um the NIDA workshop which we at Charlotte actually did together um because I hadn't really I hadn't done any acting training at all I kind of just had done a couple of shows just kind of testing the waters at that point and finding that space where i could be creative with other people and finding okay i've got a lot, a lot to learn but i can do this that was kind of my moment of going okay i i want to keep doing this keep training keep being better but i think that was really important for me to kick start my joy of mm-hmm. acting what was the workshop and um, they do a like five-day workshop with nida um mm-hmm. they fly, fly someone over and um yeah, five days of workshops, yeah. doing improv Ooh. and scene work, and it's yeah. really great.
0: Highly recommended. It's at the yeah. Subiaco Arts Art Centre. Yeah. yeah, and they do a bunch that they just come over and yeah, you can do these mm. intensive like two-day or five-day workshops, but often. People don't know about them, so people, listen, they're there, Um, please enrol, because they often cancel classes, because not enough people enrol, and it's just madness, Mm. it's such a great workshop, so...
2: And they won't do part two, till other people, there's enough people to do it, because I'm craving to do it, but they won't run it here yet. Is that their, like, beginner one? Because I've seen those, yeah, I Mm. really want to do those. But they cater so much to who they've got, because everyone in our class was, had a really good grounding already, and... So they made it harder for us, which was, it was great. There was yeah, no point we great. went, oh, this is kind of boring because it's easy because it was a beginner class, but mm. it didn't feel like a beginner class.
0: Mm. Yeah. How about you? Same question. Um,
3: I really connected with my NASA courses that I did, Nicholson's Academy. <laughs> and, um, yeah, because I I had a, we had a wonderful coach, um, Fern, and she really helped us see, seek the truth. In our performance and in our character, and like, don't just settle for like first layer understanding, you know, dig deep and always ask why. And um, that need to be truthful is something I just really resonated with me. And so, I am um, those are my aha moments. Mm-hmm. But even I think because she really pushes you to be not only the best person you can be and the best actor but be like the best learner. And so sometimes, yeah, when I'm like, oh, that wasn't truthful, I'm bad at this, I'm going to quit. But um, <laughs> No, I'm going to quit, but yeah, I'm sad. And, um, but then realise, well, it's, it's hard because, you know, everyone talks about follow your instincts. You know, acting It's not that hard, just follow your instincts. <laughs> I'm like, that's really hard because I've had instincts talk to me and, you know, you question them and then you do something else. And so it's not always simple and breezy as follow your instincts. But with the training I did at NASA, I've really found all the other projects that I've done, that's something that's really helped me connect to my characters that I've got and be proud of the work that I created and I also did a NIDA residency, so mm. that's something you can actually get on board because that's great. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of time.
0: time. <laughs> oh,
3: yeah, three weeks. That's mm. a whole
0: other podcast. Finding yeah. time yeah. to train. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> next yes. week. Um, well, look, guys, I am going to wrap us up. I don't want to, but I am um, yeah. because we're reaching that 35 minute mark. Um, but thank you so much before we
1: lose you what are your socials because our our lovely listeners want to follow you yes thank you so much
2: i run a facebook page called music and theater education which you should get onto um and i'm about to be in sense and sensibility in may which is at melville theater book your tickets watch (laughs) that i have a friend who's in that oh great
3: (laughs) um i'm jessica t brooke on instagram and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's more than
0: That's amazing and lovely. Um, all of our socials will follow in the trailer next. So if you'd like to follow us or come on the show, please let us know. Um, we'd love to have you. We'd love to talk to you um, and really build this connection not only in Perth but in Australia with all yeah. creative artists. So please engage with us. We love you. We want to have you. Um, thanks so much, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Post Dramatic Stress. To connect with us or to register to come on the podcast, visit us at www.lettingcharlotteout.com or email us via pod at gmail.com.